Hi, it's uh, iBookMinding Podcast. Uh, we decided uh, uh, to invite uh, Peter Garrity once again uh, to make a follow-up uh, to our previous, to one of our previous podcasts, uh, uh, because uh, we talked so much and it was so interesting that uh, uh, we we were left, uh, uh, we were out of time, uh, and Peter wasn't able to show us uh, uh, the books he wanted to show and uh, uh, to take us for a tour of his uh, workshop. Uh, so here, here is uh, Peter once again. Uh, hi, Peter. Many thanks uh, for agreeing to <laughs> join us once again. Hi, guys. I'm glad to be back. <laughs> and as usual, uh, my co-host Pavel joins us from Moscow. Uh, hi, Pavel. So let's just uh, dive in and uh, and uh, okay. yeah, discuss some books. <laughs> We'll do that. This is a book that um, we made to, we did this for the Folger Shakespeare Library in Washington. Um, It was to celebrate their 75th anniversary. They they have this book, which is sort of pride of their collection. is it a facsimile of sorts, or, or what's that? Or this, this is a facsimile. Um, Frank Mowry res- restored the original copy and um, rebound them into, I think it was 10 uh, non-adhesive bindings. It, when the Folger got it, it was in a kind of poor 19th century binding. The book, um, I think its date is 1608. Uh Um, All of the pages were hand-painted. A man named Thomas Trevelyan produced the book. He produced uh, another copy, which um, I believe it's the Getty Museum has that one. it's so really so both copies are in the United States? Both in the United... Well, actually, the Gettys is... Um, I forget the name of it. It's at a library um, in uh, the UK. Okay. But I think owned by the Getty. Okay. Um, so it was reproduced um, really well done. And I, they did, uh, I think, 2,000 copies. And out of the 2,000 that were bound in cloth, they took uh, 50 copies, and they had us bind it um, in velvet. Um, So there were a couple of issues with doing the book this way. Um, Binding in velvet isn't a simple matter, as I found out. Um, It's... uh, Stamping into velvet requires uh, special techniques. Uh, in the case of this one, we in the, you can't put a... Glare? A, yeah, you can't put a liquid glare on. Yeah, yeah. Um, because it just mats it down. And even though this is all foil, it's not leaf, um, we couldn't get the foil to stick either. So we used a combination of uh, 
powders made from uh, gum trigacanth, gum arabic, and gum mastic uh, in proportions, you know, a third of each of those, mm -hmm. ground really fine. And then they were dusted onto the cover, and then the stamping was done um, after that. And it would have to stamp it uh, quite a few times to get a solid image. And even now, um, some of the images starting to yeah. rub away, it's so difficult to get it to uh, stamp. This is actually stamped on leather. We didn't even want to try to stamp something like that on the uh, velvet. It just would not have worked. So you just made um, an inlay and then stamped it? That's right. But the interesting thing about this book is if you look at it, it's sewn on raised bands, raised cords. Yeah. Um, but it's a case binding. We sewed it on raised cords because... Um, it was so heavy and large that we felt that was a stronger way to do it. And aesthetically, it's more pleasing. But the question was how to do the, um, do the stamping and everything that you see. Because, you know, the stamping is on either side of the bands. It's yeah. pretty yeah. accurately on either side. So what we did was... We made these covers like so, and they were on a very thin um, board mm -hmm. that after the book was sewn and the cords were laced into the actual boards on the book, all of this could just be glued down. But we also needed to create this kind of a situation uh, where there's the indentations so that the um, it would fit over the cords. So the way we did this was we created um, a set of jigs, <laughs> yeah. basically stamping guys made out of binders board. Um, and the man who, one, a man who was working with me at the time we were doing this, he was a woodworker, so he very easily just uh, flattened out the backsides of these dowels yeah. so they could be glued straight down. And then what we did was we took two sheets of a real strong paper and pasted them together. They're oversized. You can see where the, you know, this part is going to get cut away later. They were oversized, uh, put in the uh, between the things and then you know stuck into the press um, over there so that uh, we could make that imprint and then we had a case that uh, would fit exactly over the uh, the bands there were other tricky things we had so, to do so in, the, the bands yeah. should be called not so fake bands I guess they are not fake bands, exactly. Even though they <laughs> might look at the they're, they're the real thing, um, and quite large. Yeah. And there were other tricks that we had to do for registration, having to do with the stamping. Um, it's probably not worth going into here. Um, 
it's easier to see what we did than to explain it. Um, so anyway, we did 50 copies of that. And, um, yeah, it turned out pretty well. Um, uh, I, I was wondering, how long would such uh, a 50-book order uh, this complicated take? Surely it's also not a one-man job. No. Well, I, um, for the past 20 years, I've had two employees. Um, the two that I had at the time this job was done are no longer with me. Um, but I have two new employees. Um, they're not in the shop. Fortunately, they have shops of their own in this building. This is a huge mill building with dozens and dozens of woodworkers and potters and painters, other binders, um, printers. Uh, we used to have marbler and a paper maker as well at one time. Um, so they have their own shop. So now with the pandemic, they come down here and um, pick up work and take it back to their shop and do it there. Um, but no, it took us about six months to do this job. Seems to take us about five or six months to do most of these complicated jobs that we do. Um, and uh, why, why, why this uh, green color? Was it a special request from... Uh... Oh, good question. Um, since they wanted to do something that was roughly um, analogous to something from that time period, although you wouldn't see quite so much gold work on it, and you certainly wouldn't see that thing on it. Yep. But they had, a, I think it was a 1604 copy of a book that was done in London, and it has what they think is the original velvet binding on it with, uh, I think it just had gold line around the uh, perimeter mm -hmm. of the board. And I believe it had a little bit of gold on the spine, but I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen it. And um, they decided that they would like to, they needed a model for this, so they decided to use that, since there's no way of knowing what this book would have looked like originally. Mm -hmm. um, they decided that we would just sort of emulate that 1604 binding, since it was only about four years older than the original manuscript for this one. So it was, and this one comes from England. Um, whether it comes from London, I don't know. But uh, they don't know much about Thomas Trevelyan, the man who did it. Mm -hmm. um, so that's why well, the green... They, they don't not know much about Shakespeare as well, so... Right, exactly, yes, exactly. <laughs> and this guy is even more obscure. <laughs> so it was bound in green velvet, like the 1604 book was. And it is a cotton velvet. It's a true velvet. Uh, and it's all cotton because had it been a, uh, you know, some man-made fiber it would have um it would not have worked very well mm -hmm. uh, forgive me for saying so but binding a book in velvet doesn't sound very practical i've seen a couple of tudor bindings in velvet uh, they have been worn almost uh, to the core 
Pablo, you should have been around when I was talking to him about doing this job. <laughs> That's my thoughts exactly. But, and these 50 copies were going to um, people who were supporters of the Folger. Um, and I dare say these books are not going to be um, looked at very often. They come with um, another small book, uh, or same format but thinner, with um, something slightly larger than postage stamp pictures of each page. So you can go through that. Um, the book is as much a uh, meant as a book of study from that time period. So the other copies that were printed, but the ones, the other 1950 copies that they had bound in regular cloth, those are probably in research libraries and things like that because it's the content is what's important. They just wanted to dress up 50 copies nicely for the, uh, the major supporters. Um, so yeah, I would not have recommended doing it this way, but you know, we, we find that, um, you know, sometimes with the client, we can discuss the, uh, the ramifications of their choices, tell them based on our own knowledge of what we think um, is a suitable idea. And then they can choose to go with it or not. Um, sometimes we will offer um, slight changes that might be approved. Um, but, uh, you know, we go with what the client wants. It does look very luxurious. <laughs> it does. That's true. It does. Let me move on to uh, these books. Uh, these are just the mock-ups. These books are ones that are currently in process in the shop. Um, they are three-volume sets. Volume one of each set is going to have a mirror set into it, mm -hmm. like you see here. Volumes two and three won't have the mirror. So, you know, we have to do contoured boards. In fact, let me grab one of these books and bring over. This is um, one of the one of the volume one copies R for regular, which is the uh, paper and leather copy. Mm -hmm. um, so we're doing of the leather and paper copies, we're doing forty sets. So that's one hundred and twenty books. With the leather one, we're doing twelve sets. So that's thirty six full leather books. All of the full leathers get full leather slipcase, and all of the half leathers get a half leather slipcase, which I don't <laughs> hear right now. Um, the job actually came to us through another binder in the building, Mark Tomlinson. Um, this was a job that Mark didn't want to take on by himself. So we are collaborating on the job. Um, it's in process currently. My two employees are working in their shops on it. Mark is working in his shop. 
uh, it's handy that we all have shops because, you know, Mark's just down the hall. One of my employees, both of them actually are upstairs from me. So it's easy to get back and forth. This is um, this is volume three right <laughs> now. Has not been collated as of yet. There are multiple photographs that get tipped into the books. So yeah. the it, books. Is this Juan Miró? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th this, um, this three-volume set is a private individual's collection of artist books. Mm. Um, so it's all pictures and written material um, uh, on this collection. Uh, we've seen a couple of Juan Miro's book, uh, books together with Stepan uh, on a big exhibition in Moscow a couple of uh, years ago. They are amazing. I bet. I would love to see this collection in person. We, um, we, we plan to uh, make a short podcast uh, with some photos from this exhibition. So, uh, oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll send yeah. you a link when it's done. <laughs> Please do. So not only are there the photographs to tip in, there are photographs on the offset printed pages, um, you know, of the books and some of the imagery. And then there are pages that are letterpress printed mm -hmm. um, as well that we are tipping in. Um, so we've already done all of the... Uh, folding, trimming, uh, tipping in, collating of volumes one and two. Volume one is all sewn right now. Volume two is in process of being sewn. And uh, we'll start sewing volume three uh, probably the first of January, most likely. Um, this is an absolutely huge job. Um, it's, it's fun but it's a bit stressful because it is so large so uh yeah the, the sheer volume just impresses you and uh, that that's a great illustration does. of uh, of what a bookbinder's uh, job could could look like <laughs> it, it is lots it and is. lots of pages yes another interesting thing to show about this job too is you see the boards um well the boards are um They've been tapered. Yeah. They, they're laminated, and then I've sanded them all down. Um, we're only having this thick board on volume one of each set so that the mirror can go in it. Um, all of the remaining boards are just a regular two-millimeter thick mm -hmm. board, uh, both front and back. So it's only this one that... Uh, that's getting sanded down. So at the edges, it will appear to be similar to the backboards. But I so know that that some of the binders uh, uh, prefer to uh, to chamfer or to taper uh, all all of their covers. Uh, for example, we just uh, talked to uh, Ben Elbel uh, a few days ago, and uh, uh, he he told that. Uh, 
he does it for for all of the, his covers. And uh, when I was studying with uh, Don Glaster, he also made us to uh, send the edges of the covers. Uh, so uh, I guess with this project, they will uh, make thicker thicker covers for all of the three, three volumes, and then they they will send it to 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 have similar uh, um, uh, chamfers or something. So. What's what's your opinion on that matter? Well, um, I like using boards that have um, some sort of heft to them. Um, you know where you know you can sort of feel them, especially on a book as thick as this one. Um, mm -hmm. These these books they're oh, about four and a half centimeters thick. Mm -hmm. um, so to have something that thick, uh, it's nice to have a board that has some weight to it. Um, but I don't like the look of thick boards. Um, so I do prefer to take them down like that. Um, I, generally, though, I only do that on fine work. Um, uh -huh. Uh -huh. I, don't, I don't do that on just straightforward leather books okay. generally. There's a, you know, you'll probably see some more books in here. Um, well, like the. Um, well, it's 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 a lot of work to do it and to do it to do it well. It so. Uh, can it like be mechanized the, uh, anyway? Hmm? Can it be mechanized? Can you like machine do it? Yeah. So um, what I've done is that um, I bought a horizontal, four-inch wide belt sander. Mm -hmm. And I have that in my basement at home. <laughs> and using that, um, it takes me probably about oh, between 10, 12 minutes to shape the boards um, using the belt sander. Yeah. And then finishing it off with a hand sanding block yeah. just to smooth things out. So... Um, it's taken me a while to figure out how to handle it on the belt sander, but um, the boards are coming out very nicely now. I still have more to do. Um, but yeah, it can be mechanized like that, but you wouldn't set up like that for a single book. And when I've done it in the past, I've maybe used a handheld orbital sander, or I've just used a sanding block. Um, and but, then uh, if, if it's, if it's uh, I don't know, 100 books... Uh, Hundreds uh, uh, times ten. It's uh, uh, a lot of time you you, you you have to spend just on sending. So yes, uh. I do exactly. Um, well, fortunately, we're being paid what we feel is the right amount for this job. So you know we're able to do things a bit nicer. Sometimes with jobs, um, you know you have to speed things up in order yep. to make a living. Uh, with these, we're still trying to figure out ways to do them faster and more efficiently, but without cutting the quality of what you have. Um, and that's some of the fun to figure out too, is how you can do these things like that. Here's another um, book that uh, we did this one for 21st editions. And this is the box. Um, the box opens like this. 
the panels are all held together and by they're, magnets. They're, oh, yeah, I wanted to ask you if, it, if, if there are magnets there. And it seems like uh, yeah. the, the, the covers are quite heavy. Um, they're not actually heavy. There is, the magnet makes them feel heavy because there's, okay. it requires force to open it. But you can see that lip. There are magnets embedded in that lip. Okay. And then there's magnets embedded in here. Um, I like to sort of reveal things through the process of getting to the book. So you see when you open it, you're seeing this kind of thing. And it's curious. You don't quite know what it is. And then you open the bottom one. Oh. And you're seeing other stuff. Um, <laughs> what could that be? Oh. And then you open the other one and you reveal the whole book. Um, now the book is, it's bound in black calf, black, um, oh, it's the uh, Pentland from uh, Hewitt, the goat skin, uh -huh. and then black paper from Cave Papers. Um, and then when you see these areas here, well, let's, let me pull it out a bit. When you open it. <laughs> okay. That's fun. You know, but you've got the... There is the some cutout. insert there, or it's, or it's uh, uh, cut through. It's cut through. Okay. Um, there, there's... Um, and these are handmade. Can, can, you, can you turn your phone once again? Because it, 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 it turns to be vertical. Just try to turn it to vertical and then uh, horizontal once again. Yeah, up. Yeah, oh. perfect. Are we there? Perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so there's a woman that lives about an hour and a half from here who does a lot of laser cutting. Um, mm -hmm. Sarah Pike, she has a company called Freefall Laser. Mm -hmm. And so she cut the, uh, the holes in the cover for me. Uh -huh. um, uh, well, what's the one who cut uh, the holes for the misery books? That's uh, that's right. Yes, right. Sorry, I forgot that. Yeah, she cut the holes in the misery book. But when you're putting a job together like this, you need to think about a lot of things in advance. So, for instance, the boards are built up so that the paper here can lay into in between the uh, the calf and the goat skin. Mm -hmm. So what we did was had a regular board, a uh, two millimeter board, and a very thin board that Sarah cut out with the laser, was glued on top, same over here. And then I had her... Um, make a um, plexiglass or lucite um, jig for me in the shape of the paper. Mm -hmm. And I could use that jig to both cut out the paper and then when I put the paper in, I could use that jig to, to countersink it, it. Yeah. to press yeah. it in, exactly. Um, so it's trying to think through all of these things um, which is really kind of what I like doing. 
So it's the, it's uh, it's more of book engineering than book binding. Uh, I think I'm probably more into the engineering than into the binding, I have to say. <laughs> you know, I'd say it's not like engineering. It's more like architecture. It's often said that architecture is not three-dimensional art. It's four-dimensional because time, how you experience architecture is also important. And even more important uh, here, I think, because you experience this book as a progression of stages. It's amazing. That's true. I, I like that. I like that idea. That makes a lot of sense. I like to make each book. This was an edition of, oh, I can't remember now. It might have been 15 or so. I don't remember how many it was. But what it did was uh, had a stamping die made. And then in the stamping, I just threw small bits of different colored foils down. So with each book, the stamping is a bit different. Oh. And it goes over. Oh, that's right. There is no stamping on the back side. There's, but there's, uh, you know, this sort of uh, homage to the front cover. Let me just um, set it up. So you can see the whole thing like this. So the back cover is not identical, but shares most of the same elements. Um, and then in the box is something a, else. Yeah, there <laughs> is a small box, and there are um, prints in the in these individual folders mm -hmm. so a suite of prints and there these are prints of Wynne Bullock who is deceased and this is one of the prints that he made um, many years ago that also goes with it um, and then as I say, it's just in the box. Then let me see if I can get this back and, in the and, box. And, and the texture of the cloth of the box is also. Uh, I, I just yes. I just want to touch it. It's it looks so nice. <laughs> I want to feel it. <laughs> yes, it, it is. Whoops, sorry. It is nice. Um, uh, uh, Peter, I was wondering, making uh, even a single copy like that uh, surely takes a lot of time. Do you always make an extra one to leave for yourself, or uh, do you only make it for uh, for the very best and projects you're proud of? Um, no, what, what happens is that um, when we're doing additions, what I I try to talk the client into letting us have a uh, like an artist copy um, because it's uh, it's something I can use well I can use it right here this is exactly the kind of thing that I like having copies of the, of the books for yes. um, is because then I can show people I can show clients when they come into the studio I can show um, uh, students, um, mm -hmm. it's a, a good thing to use on the video blog here. Yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. 
you know, it's just, uh, actually, I'm going to have to put this down while I move things again. <clears throat> Unfortunately, a lot of the books we've done are very large and heavy, <laughs> um, which I'm not a big fan of. I wanted to, to return to the previous book for a moment. When you, yeah. when you were speaking about the size of the book, about the thickness, you told us that it, it's, uh, it's uh, four or five uh, centimeters thick. Uh, and I, I just wanted to, and it, it took me like uh, a couple of seconds to register because you are from the United States and we are used to using uh, metric. But uh, in the, I know that in the United States, many bookbinders use uh, uh, imperial uh, measurement system, uh, inches and, and such right. uh, uh, while making books. So I just wanted to ask you about your choice of uh, uh, <laughs> measurement system here. Well, I've been using metric um, cheese for 30, 40 years. It's, uh, when metric is so much easier to use. It's just a lot simpler. Uh, it's divisible by 10 and instead of by 12. A millimeter is smaller than a 16th. Yeah. And a 16th is, is a practical thing, but a 32nd of an inch is not terribly practical to use in terms of bookbinding. Maybe it is with machining and stuff. But um, I prefer the metric because uh, a millimeter, or in some cases a half millimeter when I need it, is a very useful um, form of measurement. I find it the most useful. Um, when I'm doing woodworking projects at home, I find inches more useful because, you know, it's they're bigger. But yeah. um, uh, and when I talk with students at AAB, I'm only talking in metric when we're um, when I'm teaching them and I'm trying to get them to do metric because it's just it's so much simpler to do. So, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's why I use it. Uh, am I right in assuming that that's uh, precisely the sort of uh, uh, precision of execution that you need in book binding? So basically these boards have to be uh, that and that many millimeters and perhaps no more than a tenth of a millimeter more or What's uh, the boundary uh, for the era? Yeah, it kind of depends on, um, you know, how, um, I'm just going to focus out there right now instead of holding it in the air. Um, it depends on how critical you want to be. Um, the guy who used to work for me, um, he... Uh, used to remind me that this wasn't a machine shop uh -huh. um, and that, you know, everything we work with moves all the cellulose-based materials, the leathers, the parchment, um, all of those things expand and contract. Yep. So yep. trying to be absolutely precise is, uh, it's a little bit of a fool's errand, but it sometimes gets me going too. You know, I don't mind playing the fool if I can get something really, really close to being accurate. Um, but I think you know, a half millimeter is as small as is practical in what we do. Um, I mean, I have rulers that measure quarter millimeters, but I don't tend to use them that often at that 
you know, that distance. Um, but uh, also, I've heard that uh, depending on the temperature and humidity, uh, the covers can expand uh, and vice versa. Right, right, exactly. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to plan that in. Um, well, for instance, let me go back to this book one more time. And I want to get something. Bear with me. Mm-hmm. When I first started um, bookbinding, we always tried to back the... Um, Oops. We always try to back the book at right angles so that the shoulder um, yeah, okay. comes yeah. up at a right angle and the board fits into it. Well, we don't do that much anymore. These shoulders are more like about 50 degrees, maybe, oops, I keep moving the camera, sorry. You know, 50, 60 degrees instead of 90. Mm-hmm. It's more gentle on the paper, um, but it does have issues in that when you go to put the leather on, um, the boards can rise up mm-hmm. into the shoulder, mm-hmm. and then the foreedge get the foreedge gets too narrow. You get a bump right here on the spine because the board's ridden up. So the way we deal with this is have a piece of cardstock, you know, like so, and there's just a very, uh, let's see if I can get the uh, camera on it. Well, I can't short very Yeah, it, 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 focused, it focused in the end. Okay. There, there's a string in here, just yeah. a plain cotton string, and... It's attached to the cardstock using uh, Japanese paper. Mm-hmm. And what I do, we'll see if I can do this and hold the phone at the same time, is that this goes in, and now it's um, holding the board out yeah. away. So that when I go to put the leather on, um, actually, I used it for lacing the boards in. When I go to put the leather on, mm-hmm. I will slip this in, and it will keep the leather from pulling the uh, boards up and out of the joint. It's important to note, I don't have it set in quite right, but the um, the string needs to be shorter than the turn-ins of the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, do the turn-ins, you want to be able to leave this in. So the yeah. cardstock has to be bigger than the book, and the string has to fall easily within the turn-ins so that you can leave it in there and it won't mark anything like that. Yeah. Um, so things do shift on you. Um, I mean, that's a little bit away from the idea of um, expansion and contraction you know, that Pava was referring to earlier, but it is a, an issue brought on by expansion and contraction. So that's one way of dealing with it. 
this is another one that we did for um, 21st editions. So in this one, the box opens like so. This is a very thin steel plate mm -hmm. that was cut by laser again. That has, Sarah didn't cut this. We had it cut at a um, aeronautics uh, manufacturer not too far from here because they had a, a three-quarters of a million-dollar machine that can cut metal with laser. <laughs> so they cut it for us, which was very nice of them um, because it's, um, I don't know if, if it's very, Maybe it's more clear here. It's not a straight yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we um, saw it right from the beginning. <laughs> okay, good. It showed up. Okay. Um, so, so I guess the magnets are not in the lid this time, but in the, in the main body of the box. <laughs> that's right. They're, they're in this part of the lid. So it opens up like so. <clears throat> Don't know if I can get the... Uh, phone far enough away to show it all. Wow. And this is the binding. So we've done, I don't know, maybe 15 books for 21st over the years. This one is probably, the one I showed you a minute ago um, in the purple box and this one are probably the two that I'm most pleased with. Um, I think they were very successful in the way they worked. Um, let me show you some of the photographs in here, and then we can go back to the covers. It looks like Ansel Adams. It's not. It's, um, oh, um, I'm blanking on the guy's name right now, but he's, he's, uh, he photographs, um, storms. Oh. Uh, there's a really nice one of a tornado in here, but I don't know where it is. Um, so what I was trying to do, I see oh. rainstorm, and there's a, there's a tornado in here someplace, but rather than looking for that. So you can sort of see where the design for this book comes from. Now, um, well, it definitely reminds of the of of, a for, of the force of nature. Uh, uh, yes, exactly. And and um, I was wondering what that line was, and it's clearly horizon. That's right. It's if you think of it in terms of this is the sky, and this is maybe lightning breaking along over the hills, and in fact. This here and this, um, there's a lake that my family used to go to up in Maine, you know, every other summer. Uh -huh. And while there, we would just hang out on the dock and read books and stuff like that and dive into the lake once in a while. I took my camera and I just photographed the uh, distant shore of the lake the trees and the mountains, you know, I just took like three, four photographs and just knitted them together to get that shape. Um, 
So I, and this is a case where I knew what I wanted to see in the book. Um, you know, I wanted, uh, there's, there's a woman who was working for me, Julia Rabin, who is very talented as a painter. And Julia and I did a lot of design work together on these books. I would more often, the design would be what I was looking to see. But Julia would, you know, she'd put her two cents in, things would alter. And then she would often do the freeform work like you see here. This is important to the description. <laughs> yeah. So, oh, this is epic. So again, you know, when I was talking about how I like each book in the edition to have something slightly different from the other books, so Julia painted these covers. She painted them all the same way, more or less. But since it's the kind of a thing that is very difficult to do exactly the same, she used some freedom here to, um, you know, maybe embellish one area over the other, but the same layout. We use the same layout for all of them. And what she did was that she took uh, undyed uh, linen paper from cave papers and she put it on, she used two big sheets of mylar. She would put the paper into a vat of water, lay it on the mylar, pat it out dry. She would sort of crinkle it up mm -hmm. so that she'd get wrinkles like this. And then she would flatten it out, and then she would paint it. I wanted the effect of the painting to be cloud-like and to not be hard-edged. Mm -hmm. And so by dampening the paper out and then painting, um, both with brushes and um, you know, using dry brushes to work things in, wet brushes, sponges to put stuff down, um, she was able to... Um, create these and on the mylar there is a black outline where each piece of paper had to be so there was the left you know the back of the book and the right the front of the book on the mylar next to each other so she could get the contiguous aspect of the painting going across the spine uh -huh. um, and then down here um, the the, the painted pieces were mounted to thin board, which were then put over thicker board. But that distance in between the two thin parts on the thicker board, I gilt that with palladium leaf. Uh -huh. So that it gives that, um, you know, that silver quality to it. And yet it's actually recessed. It's behind the painting. It looks really nice to see four or five of these books um, next to each other because um, you really get a sense of um, how they are the same but different. Lastly, also... any different to work with than gold and silver? It's heavier, which is, is nice. Heavier than gold. I don't know silver, but it's heavier than gold. And more so, expensive too. Uh, yeah, it can be. Um, although gold is pretty pricey right now too. 
Um, but I like working with it. And then on the end sheets, Julia painted the rain mm -hmm. coming down. So, you know, it's, uh, it all goes together very nicely, I think, as a design. <clears throat> oh, right. The guy's name is Mitch de Browner, the uh, photographer. Mm -hmm. um, this one, I believe you've seen. Um, this is another one. Thanks a lot, uh, Peter, for uh, being with us and for showing a lot of stuff, uh, uh, a lot of books. Uh, and I also would like to thank uh, our viewers. And uh, please like the video. Please, please uh, ring the bell to get uh, the updates. Uh, and I also wanted to say special thanks to our supporters on Patreon. And I like to invite uh, uh, more of our viewers to join uh, the crowd of our patrons because we have a lot of plans for the next year. We plan to add uh, French-speaking co-hosts to talk to uh, different French-speaking uh, bookish people and uh, we would like we, we want to uh, translate these videos into English as well so this will take a bit more of uh, our budget so if you can support us and uh, uh, make some pledges. It will uh, help us to bring this uh, uh, new project uh, sooner uh, to you all. Uh, thanks. Thank you very much. Uh, and uh, see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.